didn't do this deliberately. But this particular uh, song, or hymn, sorry, that we sang there, an old, an old classic, an old, I would say, a militant church hymn of old. Courage, brother, do not stumble. This is the type of language that I think we, a lot of times are missing in some of our modern Christian songs or hymns. Some of what we sing today is a bit trite. Some of what we sing today is a bit flowery, a bit girly. Um, but this is, a, this is a man's hymn, isn't it? Courage, brother, do not stumble. And it's, it's, it's a wonderful thing. Just some of the words just really st- struck me here. Perish, policy, and cunning. In other words, kick the politicians out. Amen. Because policy is just, uh, it's the same root as the word political. And, and as we look at our society today, which is defiled, marred, almost destroyed by politicians, by politics, by their policies, and their cunning that they have. You know, this is a very prophetic hymn. It's not got the author's name in this one here. But perish all that fears the light. Wow. That's just amazing. The words of this are so powerful. You know, our politicians fear the light. They fear the spotlight. They do things in dark corners. You know, and I, I'm not politician bashing here today. Well, I am. But um, I'm not doing it just because I don't like politicians. I'm doing it because I don't like the mess they've made of our country. And if we had more men of God speaking out, more men like Knox in our country, and less Jezebels like you-know-who, this country would be a better place. Whether losing, whether winning, trust in God and do it. Trust no party, sect, or faction. Wow. Amen. You could say political party, sect, or faction, all these different movements and ideas that they have. Trust no leaders in the fight, but in every word and action, trust in God and do the right. Now, that last verse, which we didn't sing, some will hate thee, some will love thee, some will flatter, some will slight. You know, flattery is arguably even worse than people insulting you. At least if somebody insults you and offends you up front, that's, you know, you can take it on the chin. But people who flatter you sometimes have even more sinister motives than those who... Uh, insult you. Cease from man. Look what, wow. Cease from man and look above thee. Uh, if I just ended this sermon right here, right now, that very little phrase, cease from man and look above thee. That's advice to begin home with and, and, and take to the bank. Amen. Trust in God and do the right. Well, praise the Lord for that great old hymn of the faith. And maybe we'll get around to singing it properly sometime. Amen. Well, we're in Romans chapter 8, and we're reading from verse 12. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh, to live after the flesh. And and what the Apostle Paul is saying here is something very simple, as we see in the preceding verses, which we didn't read, but you can read when you go home if you like, Romans chapter 8, is this, that we are not supposed to follow the flesh. And by that, he means human ingenuity, human ideas, what, what the Bible calls in the King James, anyway, carnal. 
which is fleshly thinking, thinking of the, the, the sense uh, knowledge. In other words, what we've learned by experience, what we've observed or what we think is the case. But we're supposed to function by, in the spirit, by the spirit. By revelation knowledge, by the things that God reveals, and he reveals them in his word. So when we speak contrary to God's word, or live contrary to God's word, we're being in the flesh. Amen? Um, we're being carnally minded, as the Bible calls it. So, for, as, for if you live after the flesh, ye shall die. In other words, if you follow human reasoning, human ideas, uh, the, the, the ideas and thoughts of men... Sensual wisdom, the Bible calls it, you'll die. Now that death, uh, I think he's talking about spiritual death. But you know, if you follow the wrong advice, you can die physically. Amen? If you just listen to what men say. There's a popular phrase going around right now, follow the science. Follow the science. Well, I've got a better phrase. Follow the Lord. Okay, because it's not science that we're being asked to follow, it's scientism. Amen. You know, if we followed the science uh, 60, 70 years ago, we'd all be sitting, puffing away, smoking, thinking this is good for our health. And there was once a time where science that you could, if you eat as much chocolate, because chocolate's good for your health. I like that science. <laughs> but, it, but it's not science, is it? So all these things that once we were told follow the science, you look at some of these old so-called remedies from the Victorian era. You know, remember in the Westerns, you, you sometimes get the guy coming in with his wagon selling snake oil. And scientifically proven that if you drink this, all your illnesses will go away. It's only a dollar a bottle. Follow the science. Well, we don't follow the science. We don't follow the media. We don't follow our politicians and their policy and cunning. We follow the Lord by following what this book says. And if there's anything, here's a clue, if there's anything that somebody says to you that is directly contrary to this book, it's of the father of lies, it's of the devil. So we follow what God's word says. So we, we don't live after the flesh, we don't want to die, but if ye through the spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. And what he's saying is put to death uh, the, the, the bad stuff that we, that, that in the body that we do. Okay, so, and, 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 and you want an example? Uh, rather than eating three cream buns, maybe just stick to the one. Amen? I'm not looking at anybody in particular here. <laughs> but that's, you know, we, we, we put to death, the, you know, your body will tell you it's a great idea to eat those three buns. Amen? But, your spirit man will say, well, maybe just, you know, leave it be, or we just have the one, or just have half, or whatever. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, follow the signs there, yeah. So anyway, so let's press on. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. And that's, that's what we were speaking about yesterday at Arise Scotland, about being the sons of God. So important. And as we read on here, we see that he's talking about the manifest sons and what that means. Because it tells it, well, I won't preempt it, we'll just read on a wee bit. Um, but he says, if you're led by God's Spirit, you are a son of God. And son is not gender, you understand? 
It's a son or daughter. Son of God. All of us in this room are sons of God in that respect. It's not a gender thing. But if you want, it could be sons and daughters or children. If you're led by God's Spirit, how do we get led by God's Spirit? Well, you spend time in prayer to hear His voice. And you want to hear His voice and know it's God speaking to you. Spend time in God's Word because that's Him speaking to us. And as you're reading along, you'll find something leaps out at you and that's Him speaking to you. You know, if you want to, uh, you know, how many of us are, we, we know the voices of our spouse or our loved ones. We recognize them anyway. My sheep hear my voice. And you need to get to know somebody to recognize their voice, don't you? Well, get to know him by spending time with him. For you've not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. There's a lot of fear out there, brothers and sisters. You know, and I, I see my job uh, as a pastor, of a big part of that is freeing us all from fear. Because fear is the opposite of faith. And it's easy to fear. It's, you know, uh, in fact, I was, I was hearing about somebody uh, recently who bought a new car. And um, they just, in their old, their, their old car, they just rattle around, go anywhere. But in their new car, they won't go into narrow streets. So if they're giving you a lift, they'll drop you off a few streets away because, oh, those streets are too narrow. And it's not a big, huge, wide, it's not a Cadillac or something like that. It's just a normal car. But they've got this because they had a smaller car and they've got this. It's a fear. See, fear is not rational, is it? False evidence appearing real, I think they call it. But, and it's easy to get into a bondage about it, to get into something that fear grips you. You know, agoraphobia is that you can, people don't want to get the house. Or a fear of heights, you know, nobody wants to stand and look down at it as a wee bit, oh. But we can't allow fear to dominate our lives, especially irrational fears. So we get fearful, you know, and, and you see that we're gripped as a nation with fear. And I, I've got to say this, we're not talking about virus and stuff like that as, as, as being not real. But what I, what I would say to you is, is that the government and the media are using fear of a virus to bring controls and protocols for example, as I mentioned it yesterday, if you watch this game tonight, and I will be watching it, and I'll be cheering England on, because it's the Queen's other 11, okay? If you watch this game tonight, there will be maybe 60-odd thousand people in that stadium. No social distancing. No masks. No controlled entry. Just turn up, you bought a ticket, great. Come in, cheer England. Three lines, all that. But we're not allowed to sing to the Lord here in church this morning. We've got to socially distance. Supposed to. Supposed to not sing. So the protocols are used to control certain people and certain groups of people. Amen? But, you know, and, and, and I'm not going to get all petty about it, but I will say this. You know, Rangers fans meet in George Square. Bad. Equals bad, terrible, evil. Look at all the damage they're doing. Scots, yobs, go down and trash Leicester Square. And, you know, David, I'll, I'll back this up. Leicester Square is beautiful, isn't it? And they're always doing it. They're always making it nice. The mess they made, good, that's good. 
You see, it's not about the policy. Perish policy and cunning, the hymn says. And it's not about what, if a policy is good or bad. It's whether it's equitable. And an equitable policy means if it applies to Mr. Lawson and it applies to, it applies to us all, but if, if policy is shaped by favoritism, you understand? So what that does then is demonize and vilify certain groups. Okay, and we saw that example uh, very clearly in Nazi Germany. You know, Jews are bad. Uh, white people are good. We saw that. And it still goes on throughout the world. So we're opposed to that because that's policy that is shaped in inequity. Amen. So although this is a wonderful book and it talks to us on an individual level as Christians, it also speaks to national issues. Amen. And there was a time when our nation was founded and, and the policies, if you like, of its leaders were founded upon this book and our law was founded upon this book. But when you drift away from that, you're not being led by the Spirit of God. And what happens is you get into a spirit of bondage, which is fear. But it says, you've not received, as Christians, you've not received that spirit, a fearful spirit, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Now, I'll say this very clearly. Religion will cause you to fear God in the wrong way. We ought to fear the Lord. We're commanded to fear him. There's a healthy, biblical, God-given fear of the Lord. We ought to have, and by the way, it can sometimes be a terror. And we ought to have it. Because we ought to fear the one that can deal with us eternally. Not just, you know, if you die, you die. If you're a Christian, you go to a better place. And we ought not be fearful about dying. But if, if you don't know where you're going, you, you know, you fear God. But that's not talking about this type of fear. This type of fear is that, you, that you'll be living in fear all the days of your life. And, and there's, a, there's a fearfulness that would have, uh, for example, um, Agnes just led her mother to the Lord. 93-year-old. Led her to the Lord the other day. 93 years of being a Romanist and living in darkness, living in superstition, living in idolatry. Fearful. And it's a fear of God that they have, but it's not the biblical fear of God. It's a terror because it's a fear of priestcraft and, 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 and all of that. It's not a relationship with, it's a relationship with God based on our own fear. But the Spirit of God gives you that that you cry, Abba, Father. Does that make sense? Yeah. Now, you can still fear your dad. Amen? <laughs> you ought to fear your... You ought to fear, and the Bible says that your father chastises you, and if he doesn't, you're illegitimate. Speaking about the Lord. So there, there's a right relationship and something, but that's a healthy fear. But religion will give you a fear of God that you're always striving to please him. You know, you can't pray enough, you can't do your rosaries enough, you can't do all that. But, but the Bible says here that the Spirit of God will give you a relationship with him that when you come into his presence, it's dad. Because Abba means daddy. Amen? Abba, father. That instant connection so that in your heart you know God is your father. 
Okay, and sometimes, as I said, you fear your father. And you ought to. If he's not happy. Amen. But it's, it's a different thing. Religion will cause you to be distanced from God. But the, the, the true faith, the Spirit of God, will cause you to come close and call him Father. Amen. I hope you're getting something from this. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. God's Spirit will tell you deep down, you'll know I'm a child of God. I might not be perfect. Sometimes, you know, I don't like how I live. Sometimes I mess up. But I know in my heart, he's my dad. He's my father. And I'm his son. I'm his daughter. And, And you need that intimacy with him. So, that, so God's Spirit will always bear witness with you that you are a child of God. And if children then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ um, and, and let you know, in other words, that you have an inheritance in him. You know, we used to sing that old song, I've got a mansion over the hilltop. But you don't need to go to heaven to experience blessings. The blessings of heaven are yours to enjoy here. Amen. Or I've got a little cabin in the glory. I don't want a little cabin in the glory. I want a mansion. Amen. And I want a mansion here. Amen. Because whatever you have in heaven, you can manifest here. That's the whole point. Anyway, for I reckon, verse 18, the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. You say, oh, I'm suffering for Jesus. Well, maybe you are. Maybe you're just suffering. I used to think I was suffering for Jesus a lot, but I realized I was just suffering. And and I was... um, mainly making others suffer too by moaning. Amen? A lot of times we think we're suffering for Jesus, but we're just really just griping and complaining. Amen? You talk about suffering for Jesus, if you've not had your ears chopped off, or you've not had your, you know, uh, martyred or seen other people slaughtered in front of you, which many Christians all over the planet experience, or you lose your job because you're a Christian. If you've not suffered stuff like that, then don't moan about suffering. Amen? And I'm not being hard-nosed about it or, or horrible, but sometimes we just have to think, well, am I really suffering for the Lord? Uh, some of us don't even begin to comprehend what that is or what that means in other countries to be a Christian. Amen? For the And this is where I want to go with this. For the earnest expectation of the creature waited for the manifestation of the sons of God. The, in other words, what that's saying is creation. And it's not nature. I, I'm not knocking people who say, oh, nature teaches this and nature that. But really the biblical term is creation. Nature is a personified thing. You know, like mother nature. That's a goddess. We don't, we don't deal with that. But creation, that which God has made, the earth and all that's in the earth. And there is... From this, we can deduce that there is some kind of consciousness that creation has. That's not to say it's a, it's a, a deity or anything like that, like, like all these maniacs say. But there's something that, about what God has made creation itself. It says creation waiteth earnestly in expectation for the manifestation of the sons of God. And you know, that's you and me. What it's, what it's really saying here, to paraphrase it, is creation itself is waiting for the people of God to show up and do what they're called to do. T- 
to be who they're called to be. That was the challenge that we got yesterday in our meeting, uh, the Rise Scotland meeting, that creation is waiting for the manifestation of the Son of God. The Bible says, for this purpose, the Son of God, that's Jesus, was manifest uh, that he might destroy the works of the devil. And when Jesus showed up, he destroyed the works of the devil. So that tells me there's a principle here that says, when a son of God shows up, the devil is in trouble. And evil is destroyed and darkness is beat back. And you could say we've seen ample evidence of that in our nation's history. John Knox. When John Knox showed up and stood up as a, as a true man of God, a son of God, darkness had to be beat down. Amen. When the Puritans in England showed up, when the Covenanters in Scotland, now there, was, there, was, there was fights, there was battles, there was all sorts of stuff going on because it was warfare in the heavenlies between the kingdom of darkness and the, the kingdom of God. But the kingdom of God prevailed. That's why we've lived in a nation for so many hundreds of years now where the gospel had liberty. But that liberty is under threat. It's been under threat for many. You can't say those things. That's hate speech, pastor. You can't quote the word of God and say those hateful things. And now, with this COVID thing, they've just wrapped it up and said, you can't, you can't even meet. You can't, certainly can't praise that God you believe in. Because the one thing they want to silence is your mouth and mine speaking forth. They don't want to hear from the sons because when the sons of God show up, the devil's on the run. You know, that's why every week, brothers and sisters, we pray for revival. We don't, it's not just to fill in the time. We pray for revival because we need the manifestation of the children of God, of the sons and daughters of God. We need to see again what some of us have seen in the past, albeit maybe in a limited form or not. But, you know, our forefathers saw it. You know, John Knox came back to Scotland the last 10 years of his life, he came back to Scotland. There was just a small, really just him and a small handful. And, you know, Scotland had been in tumultuous times. Mary, Queen of Scots and so on. 10 years later, Scotland was full of Bible-believing Protestant evangelical Christians. Why? Well, John Knox said why. It said, it seemed as if the Lord rained men upon us. People were converted in their hundreds and their thousands. We've seen revival. In fact, from studying the history of Foundry Boys here, it appears that the, the church or the ministry to children, which is how it began, began out of the 1859 revival, which scholars say was one of the most powerful and far-reaching revivals in the history of the planet. And it began here shortly after 1859, this ministry. Uh, it began here in Glasgow. And then... A few short years later, maybe about 12, 13 years later, I believe, uh, Moody came to Glasgow. Um, and Moody encouraged D.L. Moody, Dwight Moody, an American evangelist. He encouraged, he gathered all the Glasgow pastors and said, concentrate on the children. Con concentrate on the children. And it's believed, in particular, one man, one of our former directors, his picture is through my vestry. He personally 
acting on that, led over 11,000 children to faith in Christ. Personally, amen. And that's, you know, that's a, that's a football crowd for one of the smaller teams, obviously. Amen. But that's a, that, that, that's one-on-one -on -one or in small groups. Amen. Personally led over 11,000. And at the peak of this ministry, there were about 20,000 children throughout the various foundry boys, branches, uh, just pr prior to the First World War. The First World War obviously affected things. And adults. So God moves. And God manifests himself through his children. And what we would call revival or awakening, that they don't cover it. The words don't cover it. But we understand what they mean. God is moving. And that's why we believe God that he'll do it again. And that's why we, we're believing God that this place be packed. And not just this place, but churches where the word is preached. Because I tell you, if we don't have that, then we're going to see further darkness and declension and decline. Not just here, I mean, but throughout. So we're believing God to move. And so is creation itself. The sons of God must manifest that the devil is on the run and darkness is defeated. For the creature or creation was made subject to vanity, and that word means futility, not willingly, but by reason of him who hath subjected the same in hope. Because the creature itself or creation itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into, or decay into the glorious liberty of the children of God. And what that's saying is this, even creation, even, you know, if you look around and you'll see uh, bits of waste ground, you'll see things falling apart, okay? You'll see, oh, that, that, that and, and, and we use words to describe, oh, that, that area is such and such. The Bible's telling us that when the sons of God get their act together, the children of God, the church of Jesus Christ, when we get our act together, and start functioning as we should, even creation will respond to that. You know, we talk about global warming and pollution and all these things. The earth will respond to the church getting right with God and respond to our praises, respond to our preaching, respond to our ministry. And that ministry isn't from the guy at the front, it's from all of us. You know, the Bible says that uh, the, by the, uh, the blessing of the upright, uh, the city is exalted. You can, and, and, and we used to do this very consciously, um, you ought to bless where you live before you go to sleep at night and when you get up in the morning. Because every square inch of every part of where you live needs to have that blessing upon it and no longer be a dump or, oh, that place is a dump. Well, you dump the blessing upon it and see it change. People have, have done it. You need to speak. If you're going to speak to mountains, then speak to your community. Speak to the city or the community that you live in. For the, because the creation itself shall be delivered. And it says, For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together. Or that means birth pains together until now. Creation itself is waiting for you and I to get in line with the purpose of God for our city, for our town, for our community, for our church, for our street, for our neighbours, for, for where we live, and say, I'm going to be 
a son of God, a daughter of God, a child of God, where I'm going to pray the blessing down and transform where I live. Let's just do that before we, we, we close here and we'll, we'll, we'll finish off our meeting. Let's just pray about his. Father, we just lift this message before you and we want to respond to it and say, Father, right now, we bless the city of Glasgow Amen. with our lips that, Father, this city be blessed by you and it will prosper by you and it will flourish by you by the preaching of your word and the praising of your name. And, Lord, wherever we live, uh, not all of us live in Glasgow. We live in the Glasgow area. But so we bless that. We bless Cumbernauld. We bless Blantyre. We bless wherever we're all from, Father, that we would know these things, walk in them, and see the manifestation of blessing around us in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's manifest the being sons of God where we love folks.